Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 112 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and today we are going to be talking to Christopher. He is the founder of and CEO of Snapa, and they have grown a bootstrap company to 1.5 million annual recurring revenue. One of the milestones for SaaS companies is reaching that 1 million ARR. And in just a few months after reaching this goal, Snapa, a software that helps bloggers and content creators make online graphics really easily, they hit that 1.5 million annual recurring revenue goal with zero outside investment. That's absolutely crazy. In this episode, Christopher Gimmer, he is the CEO once again of that company, shares his Bootstrappers Guide to Growing a SaaS Company. In this episode 112, you'll learn first why focusing on just one gold channel in the beginning is super smart and super important. Second, how Snapa got 226,000 views on YouTube in 2020 so far and how you can get more views on your videos for business. And if you know it, a lot of business YouTube channels suck and Snapas doesn't. And third, how Snapa distributed content across different social platforms. Now, before we jump in, I have created a free growth cheat sheet with all the actual tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. This episode is super meaty because I really grilled Christopher and really got into the details. So why take notes, pause the episode and listen, write notes? Don't do that, man. That's Don't waste your time. Just download my free cheat sheet with all the actual tips from this episode for free. You can get that at gotoday.fm forward slash 112 to get it now. You can also find the link in the description. Get it before I take away because I only keep this up until the next episode I publish next week. I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now this folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts like Christopher on this show and deliver it to you for free. Thanks to 42 Agency, 42 Agency works with high-growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get free $500 consulting time, you can learn more about this at growthtoday.fm forward slash 42, that's 42, or find that link in the description. Enough about me, let's jump into my chat with Christopher. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to chat with Christopher. He is the founder and CEO of Snapa. And, you know, they've, you've grown. That company has grown quite a bit. We're going to be talking about how they were able to grow to like a, maybe even more than 1.5 million ARR uh, now. And he shares all about how he got here so far. So how's it going, Christopher Howard? Thanks with you. Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, yeah, finally, good. we connected back in SAS North. In October uh, 2019. So it was no, sorry, November, right? Yeah. And you had like, was it? Yeah, some, something like that. I don't remember. It feels like so long ago. <laughs> All I remember is you brought Wes, uh, myself, and Camille to one of the best taco places I've been, which is surprising that you'd think it'd be in Toronto, but Ottawa has some really good tacos. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, El Camino in, in Ottawa. So it's a really good spot. Mm. I'm really curious, you know, I asked you beforehand what you love to do and you said traveling. Uh, what's, what's your favorite spot you've traveled to? What city? 
Oh man, that's like impossible <laughs> to narrow down. There's been so many good ones. Um, I think I'm always going to have a soft spot for Thailand, um, just because it's it, it was like one of the places that when I traveled there, I was still kind of working a day job at the time, and it just kind of opened my eyes to like how much um, you know. Uh, how big the world actually is and how little of it uh, I had seen before. And the, the one thing I really like about Thailand is like it has something for mm. everyone. So if you're into just lounging on a beach, there's amazing beaches. If you, you know, like nightlife, there's plenty of nightlife. Um, you know, the culture is amazing, has really good food um, and is like <laughs> incredibly affordable. So you can do quite a lot on on a budget. So I think just in terms of like all around... Um, you know, Thailand is just, uh, yeah, it's a really good spot. But, you know, I've, uh, you know, we recently went to Japan, mm. which was like the food scene there is amazing. I'm half Italian. Oh. So I've, yeah, have, I have another soft spot for, for Italy. And, um, like Budapest is, is a kind of an underrated <laughs> one that comes to mind. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of spots. But your number one would be Thailand, like out of those. I would. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think if like someone put a gun oh. to my head, um, I, I'd pr- I'd probably say Interesting. Thailand. I've never been. Just because there's yeah. so much a variety of cool. stuff. There. How long were you there for? That's like a remote workers like spot essentially. Yeah, um, I've been there on. I can't remember if it's been three or four times now, um, but I've stayed anywhere from like two weeks to. I think the longest I stayed there was like a month oh. and a half. I, I never did the full-on nomad right. thing where I've lived abroad for like a year or whatever. Um, usually when I travel, it's it's typically like a month at a right. time or maybe like two months at the most. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I've been doing it. And then is Snapa full, fully remote that allows you the ability to... If you wanted to be a fully digital nomad, you could? Yeah, it oh. is. Um, it's Yeah, we've been fully remote since we started. So it definitely makes um, cool. traveling uh, a lot easier. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Snapa. You know, you tweeted, and I didn't want to throw out the numbers there, but you did tweet it in public that you that you hit 1.5 <laughs> million ARR. Uh, first off, congrats! And I'm curious how you celebrated that milestone. <laughs> so uh, it's funny because we didn't really celebrate the 1.5. As um, so, actually, just going back in so in February, I was in um, I was spending the month in Florida, and my co-founder was there as well with with his wife and kids. I was there with my fiance and they had booked just like a small cruise to um, Cozumel, Mexico. Mm. And so kind of fun. And um, it was funny because I can't remember when we booked it, but it was at least like kind of a month before or something like that. And then the, um, the day before that we left for the cruise, we ended up hitting a million dollars in, in ARR. Um, <laughs> so that kind of ended up that kind of ended up being the, um, I guess the the celebration for a, a million error. And the unfortunate thing was obviously because right. of like the pandemic and everything, we couldn't really celebrate with the team um, afterwards. So that's been the only celebration up to now. Um, but hopefully we can, you know, bring the team in together. At some point. That's super cool. That's uh, yeah, cruise. <laughs> that's a, the coolest celebration. I really yeah. want to talk about that, how you got to that point. And I'm going back to Twitter. I'm going to mention your Twitter account. You, you tweet some really, really great stuff. And for my listeners, go follow 
Chris, Christopher on Twitter. I'm plugging you right now. At C Gimmer. Uh, that's S-G-I-C-G-I-M-M-E-R. And one of your tweets was, and it really got some good traction. Uh, you talked about Bootstrapper Guide to Marketing. And you, you would expect like, do this, this, and this. But you, you said, nail down one repeatable marketing channel. Second, double down. Third, double down. <laughs> Fourth, you start layering on another channel, and fifth, uh, step two, repeat step two to four. Why? Why is it so important to f- double down on just one channel from the beginning instead of going wide and maybe spreading yourself thin? Yeah, well, you you kind of <laughs> answered part of the question of not wanting to spread yourself thin. Um, so I, I think, and I actually made this mistake as well. Um, fortunately, we kind of corrected it, and that's kind of what sparked the some of the inspiration for the tweet. Is I think people underestimate how far they can really optimize mm-hmm. and grow a single channel, and so it's I think it's just natural for people to, um, you know, see some results with one marketing channel, and then assume that okay, to get more traffic or to get more leads, now I need another one, and it's kind of counterintuitive to just say okay, this one works. How do we make it work even better? How do we keep focusing on it even more? And I think, um, you know, like a lot of things in life, marketing typically follows like an 80-20 mm-hmm. rule where um, 80% of your results are going to come from like 20% of your marketing activities. And at least from what I've seen, that's definitely the case. And so at one point, we, we kind of realized like, you know, most of our stuff is coming from this one channel. Meanwhile, we're trying to like do all this other stuff and do partnerships and like try this and try that. You know, what 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 if we just like double mm. down on this? Um, and when we did that, we we really kind of um, you know saw really good returns. Our growth picked up quite a bit, and we were literally just doing the same thing. And it's funny because people would ask me like, "Oh, like what do you what are you guys working on now?" Or what? Do you, um, um, and my answer is always like the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think like obviously at some point, um, you'll, you will run into kind of some diminishing returns. And if, um, if your revenue is high enough and you can afford to start hiring more people and expanding the team, then naturally at some point you're, you're going to want to layer in, uh, additional channels. But I think like, especially for people that are bootstrapping and they have limited resources before, you know, trying to add two, three, four other mm. channels, um, just optimize the one that is working and, and right. keep focusing and keep doubling down uh, before you feel the need to just, you know, <laughs> tackle the next one. That's such a good advice. I think that's, I, I have a problem of, I figure out what bird that is that's so attracted to like a mud pie or something like that, or they're attracted to shiny things. I think that's something that entrepreneurs and even some marketers are caught at, caught up with, with is like, trying out the new coolest thing or, you know, trying, oh, let's do, let's do partnership. Let's do affiliate. Let's do this. How do you stop? How did you stop yourself from, from doing, from doing that, from actually like keep trying new things? Um, Well, part of it is experience. Mm. Um, Again, just realizing that we we just had way more mileage out of of stuff that was uh, working. And um, the other thing is just like, you only have so many resources, right? So the way I look at it, social media is a really good example of this is that when people start um, on social media, they think like, okay, I have to be on Facebook, I have to be on Twitter, I have to be on Pinterest and YouTube, or whatever, yeah. Instagram. And what ends up happening is um, it's, it's way better 
to have one social media channel that you do mm, really, really yeah. well that you that you're you know um, getting a lot of engagement and 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 you know optimizing that content for. That will be way, way better than being on like 10 mm. social media channels and doing them all half ass <laughs> and, and not seeing the results, right? So again, like I think that's really what it comes down to is generally it's, it's better to optimize one thing than to do a bunch of different stuff, um, kind of, you know, half ass. And for Stapa, what was that one thing? I'm guessing it was SEO. And why, why, why did you choose that one channel, whatever that channel is? Yeah. So um, when we first started, we actually... The, the way we kind of got off the ground was we had a, a free stock photo site. Oh. Um, and um, we were getting a lot of leads um, from there. And then eventually that kind of um, started kind of plateauing a little bit. And then we knew that, you know, okay, now we really need to layer on that that next channel. And that was content and SEO. Um, so, you know, part of marketing really comes down to your business model, mm. your unit economics. And so I, I really like the traction framework. Mm. Um, for anyone who hasn't read that book, highly recommend it. Uh, the one from Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Maris. And essentially, the, um, the objective is like you look at all of the marketing channels available. And then depending on like your business and your unit economics, you'll kind of have like a ring of channels that might mm. work. And then you can start testing the ones that you think are most likely to work. And then obviously, if, if you kind of get some success, then you double down. And so with Snappa, it's a freemium tool with a very low price point. And so for what that, for what that means for us is like, we can't spend a lot of uh, money <laughs> on marketing to acquire mm. customers just because the lifetime value is not there. So that already rules out certain things like going to trade shows and you know business development and having a sales team. like that, That's never going to work. And... Um, so when we looked at, you know, what were some of the channels that would align well, content and SEO stuck out, and it's actually kind of where my skill sets are in terms of you know previous mm. projects that that we launched before. Um, and so yeah, so we we kind of you know did um, actually have a, a tweet about this that that did pretty well too, and our strategy was essentially um, really going bottom of the funnel, writing um, one or two pieces. Of content that was highly optimized for our audience, um, really well. Was uh, was about uh, Twitter header size, mm-hmm. like what what are the proper Twitter header size and dimensions? And then when that did really well, we just kind of um, you know doubled down and kind of started replicating and and then focusing on on that content and SEO. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, even now, how often are you publishing content? Is it once a week, once every two weeks? Like making sure that it's really good content. Yeah. So um, another kind of counter, well, not necessarily counterintuitive, but I think one of the really bad pieces of advice um, that has come out at one point is this whole like publish every week and, you know, always have to have fresh new content and all that kind of stuff. Um, and especially for newer websites, um, I think it's like a really bad piece of advice. Um, what I think works a lot better is a publishing a much lower frequency of content. Those um, pieces of content are high quality and that you can actually actively promote them. Um, and so kind of similar to my thoughts around marketing in general... Uh, I think you can kind of apply the mm. same framework with content, which is like three pieces of content that 
would be um, really good for your uh, website. So you'd obviously want to find things that have high enough search volume, depending on what your lifetime value or, or unit economics are. Um, and then only once you start ranking for those and generating backlinks and, and, and getting some traffic to those blog posts, then you can start you know, adding another post and, and writing out more content. It's much to have one post that is bringing in a lot of traffic versus you know, 10 blog posts that aren't bringing in any traffic. Mm. Right? And it, it all comes back to the 80-20 rule. If you look at most um, blogs... And you look at their analytics, you'll probably find that like, you know, the top whatever five posts probably bring in eighty percent of the traffic, right. right? Like that would be that would be my guess, um, and that's kind of true true with with us as well. So uh, again, I, I think the better strategy is you know focusing on fewer posts and making sure that. Um, you, you're optimizing those uh, as much as possible. That totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I love how you're applying this for the eighty twenty rule, not just in marketing, but even in content. I I want to yeah. shift gears, and I, I guess you're now at the stage where you're adding on new channels. Because I, what I really want to talk about, and what caught my attention was your YouTube views on for for Snapper. You tweeted this again about how you got two hundred twenty six. How, over 226,000 views in 2020 so far. And I'm, I'm super excited about YouTube. That's not what I'm trying to do with Wes at Product Lead Institute. The problem is, I think a lot of businesses don't get YouTube really well. And first of all, I'm curious for you and Snapa, why did you, you know, go over to YouTube as potentially the next channel to, to conquer? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, for starters, YouTube is like the second mm. biggest search engine <laughs> in the world. Um, so, uh, again, for for a you know a freemium tool like ours, um, it, you know, we, we really need channels that have a lot of eyeballs on them and that that are much lower touch and and that have some kind of organic nature built into it. Um, the great thing about YouTube is that it really goes hand in hand with SEO. Mm. Obviously, YouTube is owned by Google, <laughs> so um, it, it stands to reason that um, you know that the two kind of platforms like talk to each other. So the thing with us was um, because we we have done so well with traditional content and, and Google search, um, we can leverage that in order to to gain an advantage in YouTube. So what we've what we've done is like we can create um, a, a YouTube video and we can embed that into our existing blog posts um, that are ranking organically for, for some of those keywords. And what we find now is um, for certain keywords, if you search it in Google, um, not only will our article rank, but our YouTube video will rank as well, like right under that. So it's kind of just like search engine domination. Um, so that's why we, we kind of wanted to focus on YouTube as that next channel because number one, we can kind of use our existing um, blog posts and content to help with that like distribution. And number two, it kind of has the same dynamics as Google where um, it's kind of like a, you know, a snowball effect where once you get your videos ranking, um, it's easier to get more subscribers. And then each new video that you, you publish, um, those tend to get more views. And if you kind of look at our... Our, um, our graph of our, our traffic on Google, uh, or sorry, on YouTube, it, it's kind of the same thing where it's just going up and to the right. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, it's coming like becoming a, a flywheel now, similar to our, our SEO flywheel. 
when we come back in just a moment, Christopher shares how they distributed their videos to get even more views in 2020 on YouTube. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. A 42 Agency works with high-growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. They've worked with some amazing companies like OnFleet, HubDoc, GuestLogic, Flexiday, and more. And to top it off, I actually know the founder of 42 Agency, Camille Rexton, and he knows his stuff. So go reach out to him. You can He's actually offering a free Free $500 consulting time for Growth Today listeners. You can visit them at growthtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find the link in the description. It'll, it'll redirect to their this special offer. One more thing, don't forget to download the free growth cheat sheet for this episode. It has all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal mine? You can take all the actionable tips from this episode and apply it to your business to accelerate the growth even faster. You can find the link in the description of this show. Download it now before I take it away because it'll only be up until next week. Well, enough about this. Let's jump back in my chat with Christopher. I want to get into the details of that. I really love how you guys are really going after YouTube because only, I've only seen maybe a handful or maybe a few companies that are doing really well. One of them is Ahrefs. But I, w- I want to get into the mechanics of it. Do you look for your blog posts that are ranking first, uh, rank- ranking really high and, and turning that into a video? Like what, what is your prioritization process for video? Because I'm guessing video takes, well, video does take a little bit longer to produce than mm-hmm. just a piece of content. Yeah. Um, so that's actually kind of our current strategy right now. So Kind of like I was talking about, you know, we have this, um, you know, pretty popular uh, blog right now that that gets a lot of traffic. We have a lot of um, articles that are already ranking organically. So the way that we're prioritizing uh, YouTube right now is we're saying, okay, which which blog post do we have that's ranking really well or, or organically, um, and is there an angle that we can create uh, a, a YouTube video around that? So that is is exactly how we prioritize. Um, we're just going in, finding the um, the blog posts that that have the most traffic to them. Okay, let's create a video around it, embed that into the article itself, um, and that's been a great way to kind of uh, springboard our our YouTube channel. In terms of actually making the video, uh, did you outsource that, or did you buy all the all the equipment that you need, like lighting and sound and camera? What what was that process look like? Yeah, so. It's amazing I, that you know an average person can basically create a YouTube video in their sorry YouTube studio in their house with very little money. True. So um, Nick is is our marketing guy who's actually doing the um, videos. So uh, he's using uh, like a Blue Yeti mic, um, which I think they're I don't know 100 or 150 bucks, something like that. A uh, little tripod for his his camera, um, some like Amazon lights that I don't even. Um, and, um, yeah, like it, it really doesn't take that much, uh, to have like a pretty decent setup. Um, so yeah. Interesting. That's really fascinating. And did, did Nick have editing experience or that was the piece that you outsourced through the fiber or some, somewhere else? Oh yeah. Sorry. I forgot to answer that part of the question. Um, so Nick is actually, um, he's, he's kind of, he kind of has like a oh. photography 
uh, background as well. Um, so he's actually... So the our thought process was like, let's do everything in-house first, um, kind of figure out the process. And then at some point, um, if we feel like it makes sense to edit out or sorry, outsource some of the editing or, you know, whatever tedious parts. Um, we've only really started like uh, optimizing for YouTube, uh, I want to say kind of in March. Um, and so we're, we're kind of at that point now where Nick has really laid down uh, the process. But even even now, he's still um, doing everything himself. Um, I would imagine probably at some point we may outsource um, certain pieces of it. But um, yeah, it's it's all being done in house. Right That's now. really fascinating. In terms of, and I, I want to get your tips because part of your tweet in that uh, you sharing how many views your Snapa has gotten in twenty twenty is that you shared a bunch of tips for people for businesses who who want to start driving traffic using YouTube. What are what are some of those t- t- uh, uh, tips that you shared over tweet Twitter? Yeah, so um, I think there's kind of like some high level stuff, and then there's kind of the the nitty gritty tactical stuff. So in terms of high level, um, kind of what we just touched on is I think it's important to have um, a pretty good quality mm. bar, just because the competition on YouTube is like so fierce right now, and so um, like a good quality mic, decent lighting, that's kind of um, table stakes at this point, right? So that that's kind of step number one. Um, the next thing is, um, I think it's important to kind of script out your videos ahead of time and develop some sort of a process. Um, you don't want to be like, if you, if you look at the really good YouTube videos, um, they kind of have like the cuts, um, everything is really like concise. Uh, you don't really see people rambling on and and not knowing what to say. Um, so you, you really want to make sure that you're always capturing, um, you know, the attention of your viewers. And unlike um, Google search, where I don't think it's really that important to have a schedule, um, I think YouTube's a little mm. bit different just because their whole... Um, I mean, their whole premise is to keep you on YouTube for as long as possible. And you know, because of like suggested videos and, and playlists and all that kind of stuff, um, it does help to have a bit of a library of content. Mm. So... Um, I would suggest trying to stick to some sort of regular schedule or regular cadence. It doesn't have to be like daily or even weekly. Right now, um, we basically have committed to every two weeks uh, releasing a video. And I think that's you know very doable for us. Um, and then the biggest thing is to try to leverage your existing audience. So um, one of the big reasons that we were able to uh, get so many views was number one, um, like we had talked about mm-hmm. before, was being able to embed our yeah. videos into blog posts that are already um, generating traffic. And the second thing is we have a pretty big email list. So every time that we publish a new uh, video on YouTube, we send that out to our email list. And that helps get a lot of eyeballs um, on the video right away. And because of the way that the Google algorithm works, if it starts picking up steam and a lot of people are viewing it and it, and it's getting good engagement metrics, then typically they'll start showing that video in you know related searches and and that kind of stuff. So leveraging audiences or if if you do have a, a, an existing audience is definitely really helpful. Mm. Um, and then in terms of the more like nitty gritty stuff, um, 
so one thing that's worked well was um, you know leveraging tools like one of them is VidIQ. Mm. And so what you can do is look at competitors' videos and see what tags uh, they're using. So you can kind of like hijack some of those tags to make sure that your video is optimized. Um, definitely want to create a nice detailed description for each of the YouTube videos. And you know it's the same concept of, of writing an article and getting that picked up in Google search. You want to make sure that you have all those keywords and uh, a nice description so Google knows exactly what your video is about. Um, and now what's interesting with YouTube is they can actually um, understand the audio content of the video itself. So I think it's important to make sure that you're speaking clearly um, and kind of mentioning the proper keywords even throughout the video um, so that Google can, can pick up on those. Um, definitely want to have a well-designed uh, thumbnail so that the video itself is, is kind of standing out within the, uh, the, the searches and whatnot. Um, yeah, and I think, um, I think those are pretty much like the, the big, big things that have worked for us, I would say. And in terms of thumbnail... I'm guessing that you use you're using Snapout to create those thumbnails for for your Snapout YouTube channel right now. Yeah, for sure. I want to sh- talk a little bit about other topics in your YouTube channel. Have you always been? Have you started looking at you know um, actually doing keyword research and finding uh, creating videos for ones that is not uh, already a blog post, or is that something you're still creating content for your blog posts? Yeah, so right now we're still at that stage where um, we're we're mainly just focusing on the uh, the content that uh, you know that that we're already ranking for or, or organically. Uh, that being said, we do have like a Trello board full of um, you know video ideas and stuff for down the road. So I think with when it comes to you know videos, uh, you can also do like kind of a traditional Google search or sorry a, a Google kind of SEO approach where. You're figuring out like what are people actually searching for at Google and using tools like Ahrefs. Um, and what's interesting is that Ahrefs has actually added um, the ability to see what people are searching for on YouTube specifically. Um, mind you, it, it's um, I find the the volumes are are kind of uh, low right now, so it, it's not you know nearly as robust as like the the Google search. But at least it kind of gives a different um, you know. A kind of different like data point in terms of like what people may be searching for on on that YouTube. Fascinating. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the length of the videos. I I watch I watch a lot of YouTube, <laughs> a lot of video, YouTube about <laughs> like cameras and uh, different. I follow other YouTubers uh, about other things, but the suggested like is between six to twelve minutes. And the reason why Google loves, uh, YouTube loves that is so that. They can insert an ad. <laughs> so you know, if you can insert an, uh, an ad to your video, then YouTube makes money and you make money. So I'm curious what your suggestions are for businesses for length of video. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't really know. I, I, it's not something you know we've really looked into heavily. Um, I, I really think at the end of the day, your video should be as long as it needs to be. So. Um, you know, if if I'm if I'm searching for like how to tie a tie, I, I don't need 12 minute video on how to tie a tie, right? Like I, I feel like someone who 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 needs to learn how to tie a tie, it's something that you know more than beyond more than two minutes, it's just like you you you've lost me now, right? Um, whereas if you're talking about like a beginner uh, programming tutorial on you know how to create like a web app. 
that's probably going to be quite a, or how to, how to hook up like a, you know, a MongoDB database to, um, you know, a Node.js app, right? Like that, that's going to be a, a lot longer than two mm-hmm. minutes. So I think really where, where I um, come down on that is again, just making the video as long as it, it needs to be. Um, and making sure that it, it is concise because, you know, people nowadays have really low uh, att- attention spans. Yeah. Um, so you, you, don't want, you don't want it to be longer than, than it needs to be. Um, but then it's funny because you've got these like, you know, lifestyle vloggers that have like half an hour videos of them just like walking around a beach. And I'm like, who has time to watch <laughs> some of this stuff? So uh, yeah, I, I, again, I think it just heavily depends on what type of video it is, who your audience uh, is, and, and that kind of stuff. The other piece that that is you mentioned that YouTube is the second biggest search engine, and I'm guessing the description is also a big piece of YouTube uh, videos. How do you structure that that description? Do you just like copy and paste some of this content from the blog post that you're uh, creating a video for, or do you kind of rework or rewrite something new for for the description? Yeah, we usually um, write it specifically mm. for YouTube. Um, you know, I think like an, an article is going to be different. Uh, the other thing that you can do now is, um, geez, I, f- I forget even the, the terminology. You can tell I'm not the one doing the videos. Um, but you can actually, um, within the videos itself, you can identify like, okay, at, at this point, right. um, we... You you probably yeah. know what's the the term time that? code. You can just add like a you can add just just add a time in the description and it'll actually automatically already like link to that. Yeah, exactly. And then even on the video itself, like if you if you yeah. hover over the videos, you'll see like Dots. those different yeah. markers. Um, and what's what's super fascinating now with YouTube is um, I've actually Googled certain things, um, and then on the search result like the, the YouTube video would pop up and it would actually start playing the video at that specific time. Um, so I think that is super powerful now, especially for like how-to videos and, and tutorial-based stuff where um, you might have like, you know, a 10-minute tutorial on how to do something. But then at like the two-minute mark, it might be a specific thing of like, you know, how to do this one part of it. And so I think that's the more important thing when it comes to descriptions is really nailing down, you know, at this at this time, here's what we did. At this time, here's what we did. As opposed to kind of like repurposing, uh, you know, a, a blog post or an article. Mm, that makes sense. I want to kind of put all this advice together and ask you this question. You 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 probably already mentioned a lot of the stuff that you're gonna uh, respond to this. How how can businesses get more views on YouTube instead of posting it up and getting one views from their mom? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I you definitely try to like, yeah, a lot of this we kind of discussed, <laughs> but like definitely try to leverage whatever audience that you have. If you have a, a Twitter following, post your stuff on there. Uh, email list is usually the best thing. Absolutely send out your, your videos to um, your email list. If you have articles and, and blog posts that are already ranking, think about how I can embed um, some of that stuff. Um, and I, yeah, those are definitely kind of uh, the, the biggest thing. And then beyond that, um, again, because YouTube really is a search engine, absolutely, you definitely want to optimize you know, your video tags and the descriptions and all that stuff as much as possible. Um, and then from there, it's just, unfortunately, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you just got to put in the time. 
Um, you know, when we first started with SEO, like, you know, it took a couple months before it really starts to get going. And unfortunately, if you're starting with no audience and you're starting from scratch, YouTube, you know, is definitely going to take some time. There's, there's no kind of, unless you have the magic of being able to go viral with, with your videos. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that, those would kind of be my overall thoughts. As I start wrapping up, I kind of want to ask you for general advice. So if you had one or two pieces of advice to bootstrappers or and marketers about growing a business, and it could already be something we talked about or something more general about you know managing your life, what would be that one or two pieces of advice to bootstrappers and marketers growing a business? Yeah, so for bootstrappers especially, you know, it's um, obviously resources are, are always going to be constrained. And the most important thing with with bootstrapping a business is to get it profitable and get it to a point where um, it's sustaining you, so that you can be full time. So um, I I always think it's it's especially crucial that even before you you launch, um, you're you're already kind of working on some type of marketing and and getting traction. And at a bare minimum, you should definitely have an idea of how you're actually going to get traction when you launch. Um, I think it's a pretty bad idea to say, you know, I have this idea, I'm going to launch this thing, and then we'll see what happens. And uh, that, so again, like I definitely recommend um, Traction book by uh, Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Mares um, to kind of develop that framework of like, okay, for this specific product or this specific idea, what are the channels that are likely to work out, and how can I actually go about starting to test those? And then the next thing is is just focus. I think focus. Um, again, it's a mistake that I've made. Um, we we kind of started to like dabble in a bunch of stuff and not not uh, optimize what was already working. Um, so yeah, just just focus as much as possible. Yeah, that's, those are great advice. And one final question: Where can people find out more about you if they wanted to follow you? Yeah, they should follow you on Twitter. But is there anything else? And where can people find out more about Snappa? Yeah, so if they want to check out uh, Snappa and create some uh, some nice thumbnails, uh, they can go to snappa.com. Um, and then for myself, I just started writing a bit this year. I'm kind of putting out one post a month uh, just about business and kind of investing and life, general life stuff. So uh, if, if people are interested in, in seeing some of my writing, they can go to chrisgimmer.com. I've also uh, linked to some of my previous interviews and and uh, a couple talks that I've done that are a bit more on the you know this this type of stuff. Um, so they can check that out. As well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Christopher. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Well, that's it for this episode. Oh, so good. There's so much information that episode with Christopher. I had such a fun time chatting with him. I also want to remind you before we go to download my free growth cheat sheet with all the actual tips, advice, and lessons that Christopher shared on this episode for free in a one-page PDF. Why take notes when you can just steal mine from this episode? Go to growtoday.fm forward slash 112 or find the link in the description. Can you take all the tips and apply to your business to accelerate the growth even faster? Download this before I take it away. I want to keep this up until the next episode. So you got actually seven days until since I published this episode. Now, before I end, I also want to thank those who, who made this episode possible. Now, this folks helped cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts like Christopher on this show and publish it for free for you to enjoy and listen to. Thanks to 42 Agency. Now, 42 Agency works with high-growth B2B SaaS companies. They help them build and scale revenue and marketing operations 
that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. You can learn more and get $500 in free consulting time at growthtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find that link in the description. Well, that's it for this episode. Keep safe. And as always, keep on growing. Passion, passion.